The name of this series is Take It From Me. So the idea behind this, God gave it to me a while ago, and then I couldn't remember it. I'm like, Lord, if you want me to do this thing that you gave me, I felt like it was from you, remind me. God does. He reminded me. And the, the idea behind this series is taking wisdom from people and their experiences from God. Whether it be somebody who's walked with God and they share their own testimony. I've got plans to have a guy here uh, share his testimony with you guys. It's a pretty incredible story. God met with him while he was in jail and just really changed his life. <laughs> yes, she knows who I'm talking about. Um, and there's lots of wisdom, as you guys probably know, because you've heard it all the time if you've been here. There's wisdom we can pull from the Bible. There's stories in Scripture, experiences that people had with God, with Jesus while he walked on the earth, where Luke's going to be going. And... I want to take these concepts and say, as if somebody was speaking wisdom to you, saying, take it from me, I experienced this. Listen to me. Listen to my wisdom. Listen to my wise advice. Learn from my experience, whether it be good or bad. So how many of you know people make mistakes? And those people, if they share wisdom with you and say, hey, don't do that. I did. It was a big mistake. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. You should listen to that, right? And if you end up making those same mistakes, then what does that mean for you? A little bit. <laughs> now you're the one that's learning the hard way. <laughs> How many of you want to learn things the easy way in life? No? Some of you really want to learn things the hard way and have life go really hard for you? All right up to you, but I really don't want that, which is why Proverbs is one of my favorite books. <laughs> Learn some wisdom from that. But, and there's lots of stories in Scripture, and I felt like the big one I wanted to share with you was the, the situation where Jesus walks on water. And we all know that Jesus walked on water, but did you guys know that Jesus walked on water twice? No? So there's a situation after the resurrection. It's not in the Bible. You guys haven't heard it. Okay, I'm going to inform you. Jesus walked on water. Moses showed up on the beach with him one day. And they're just like, hey, you still got it? How about you part that Red Sea? Jesus is talking to Moses. He's like, okay, we'll see. Parts the sea. Sea of Galilee. He's like, okay, nice work. So Moses looks at him and he's like, well, what about you? You still walk on water? I mean, you walked on water before, right? Give it a shot. So he's like, okay. Gets back. Sprints towards the water. Splashes right in. He's like, comes out of the water. I don't get it. I mean, it worked fine before last time. And Moses looks at him and he goes, well, yeah, but did you have those holes in your feet last time? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yes, this story is not true, okay? It's just a funny joke. But I am going to be talking about the story of Jesus walking on water, and there is another person that walked on water. Does anybody know who it is? Peter. Peter. You know what, Jordan? I'll give you a piece of candy. Yeah, but you raised your hand like a, a nice man. <laughs> no, it's not my mom. Um, I mean, 
When I was a kid, I thought my parents could walk on water sometimes. <laughs> Every kid had that at some point. Yes. He did. He did tell Peter that he'll be fishers of men. Um, but really, I know that was just a fun joke. But in all seriousness, Jesus did walk on water. And Peter did too. Yes. Really? This summer, I want to see it happen. I can't say this winter because that's not hard. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you do walking motion while you were being pulled on skis? No, I don't believe you. <laughs> so, all right. I got, I got a lot to get through here, okay, guys? I want to give you plenty of time to hang out and answer questions and all that stuff at the end, okay? So, in Matthew 14 is where we find this story. There's the story of Jesus encountering the disciples. And I'll give you a hold on, John. Wait to put it up there. Um, in this story, Jesus and his disciples, they just get done feeding the 5,000. Have you guys heard that story? Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two what? Two sardines. No, not sardines. Yes, fish and bread. He feeds, he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's pretty incredible. Can you save it till the end? You good? Yeah? Okay. I got it. I mean, we've got, it's already almost 7.30. Okay. Um, so Jesus tells them to get on a boat and go back because they had taken a boat to get there. They get there and Jesus, they're done. They, he sends the people home and now this is what he says to the disciples. I want to have the mic up here um, and I want to have two youth read some scripture. Benji and Jada. They're the first two to raise their hands. All right? We got more options. We got more opportunities. Okay. All right, you can read it back there, or you can read it right here, either one, okay? You want to read it right here? All right, so read this section, and then Benji, I'll have you read this and this, okay? All right, so go ahead and put it up there, John. Good, there you go. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Matthew 14, 22 through 26. Go ahead, you got this. Yeah, you got this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny story. I mean, the Bible's got humor in it, guys, okay? So you do there, and then... So this to there. Right? Yep, you're going to stop right here. All so. right. Um, Matthew 14, 27 to 31, NLT. Mm -hmm. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Water. Yes, come, Jesus said. 
So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and he at waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt to me? Awesome. Give him a hand. That was great. You guys did awesome. Here, grab one piece of candy in here too, you guys. Come grab a piece of candy, Jada. I don't know why I need this. <laughs> Seth's looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> so, if anyone tells you that the Bible's boring and isn't have any fun stories, show them this. If anyone tells you Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor, go to this story. It's got humor. I mean, when Jada was done reading her section, what did she do? She laughed, right? Because it's funny. It, it does have humor. It's a ghost! <laughs> Do you guys expect to see that phrase in the Bible? <laughs> like, really, it's pretty funny, right? So, this story is just incredible. And if you read the story in other Gospels, you get a little bit more of a picture of what goes on. Each of the Gospels are said from a different person's point of view. And how many of you know, if you ask many different people a question about the same event being a witness of it, you'll get a little bit different answer every time, right? You might get some consistency, but there might be some things that are a little bit different, right? CJ? Wait till after, okay? In Mark 6, I want to just share a little bit of what Mark has to say in this, okay? Because I really, this part here is really important. Mark 6, 47 through 48, it says, Late that night the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. I mean, this is a huge lake, all right, guys? It's, it's big. There's, it's several miles across, okay? And it says, Jesus was alone on land. And then what does it say? He what? He saw. He saw that they were in serious trouble. <laughs> He's on land and witnessing the whole thing. And I'll have you know that when he was on land, he, this is what ends up happening. He goes and he's like, all right, you guys go to the other side of the lake. I'll meet you over there at some point. I don't know why they didn't think, Jesus, uh, we're the ones with the boat. What do you, what do you mean you're going to meet us over there? Are you going to walk around the thing? <laughs> and they didn't think anything of it. They were like, okay, I'll just do what Jesus says. And Jesus stays there, and this is late at night, okay? It's evening. It's not even midnight yet. And Jesus goes on the mountaintop to pray. Now, 3 o'clock is when this whole thing, 3 a.m., 3 in the morning, all of this is going down, okay? Jesus is alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. <laughs> he sees them struggling hard, and he decides to just, eh, I'll just go walk out to them, <laughs> Knowing, I mean, he can see the storm happening. He's right there, witnessing the whole thing. He says, you know, I'm just going to walk into the storm and go, go, uh, go mess around with these guys. <laughs> he intended to go past them. He wanted them to see him, but he didn't want to go straight to them. 
You want to, I want to get their attention <laughs> and see me for who I am. There's a specific part of this passage that I want you to see, though, that's in Mark. He saw that they were in serious trouble. When you guys are in struggles, when you're in trouble, when you're going through hardships in your life, he sees you, okay? God sees you. He sees where you're at. He's not a God that's oblivious to your problems. He's not a God that's like, I'm focusing on their issues and their struggles and their problems that they're entirely aware and an eye to you. It's not how he works, okay? Jesus is entirely aware that the disciples are struggling, that they're fighting, that they're having this challenge in a storm that they didn't put on themselves, okay? In fact, in a way, you could argue that Jesus did. Because he said, you guys go over there. (laughs) Well, somebody's getting a call. It is on the stage. I don't know. Does the tablet ring? Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyways. All right, all right. Let's bring it back. Listen up, listen up. Jesus sees us in our storms, okay? He is watching what's happening to the disciples, and he even told them to go where they're going. He told them, you guys go to the other side of the lake. And I would think that he probably knew there was going to be something that happened. At least when he was in prayer with God, the Father, on the hillside, overlooking the lake, and he sees clouds forming that are dark and brooding and intense. He's like, oh, wait a second. They're out there. (laughs) So he sees them struggling, he goes out there. And I want you guys to know when God sees you struggling, he doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't leave you by yourself. He doesn't leave you to struggle in this storm alone. He's there. He's going to be there. He is there, and he's going to get you through it. Okay? Let that be something that comforts you. Now, this all begs the question, why didn't Jesus just shut up the storm? He did it previously. You go read the accounts in Mark and Matthew before this of Jesus' ministry, and they share him quieting a storm that he's on the boat asleep. He's already capable of doing it, right? He's done it before in the past. Why didn't he just go, while he's in prayer, you know what, maybe do them a favor and settle this storm, God. Could you, could you help him out? <laughs> he didn't do that, though. I don't understand all the reasons why. But I do know that he was wanting to address something with the disciples. He was wanting to encounter them. He was literally on land praying for hours in the middle of the night, and he never put one prayer up to God saying, hey, could you stop the storm? Instead, he decides to go after them, get on this lake, walk on water, which had literally never been done before, and go encounter them. He has this encounter with these disciples that absolutely, miraculously, it's incredible what happened, okay? It's very important for their faith, and here's where it's very important. Peter ends up walking on water. He's teaching them something. Peter walks on the water. 
but it's short-lived. Peter doesn't walk on the water forever, right? He walks on the water, and then what ends up happening? We read the story, right? Falls in the water, right? He sinks. He got wrecked. Yeah, Caitlin. She's gotten our own daughter to start saying that phrase. <laughs> yeah, Jesus asked him, why do you doubt me? So Peter walks on water. It's short-lived, and I really see it as a picture of how our faith in Jesus can go sometimes. Sometimes it's when we first come to faith in him. Sometimes it's when we have this incredible experience with God after we've been walking with God for a while, and he hits us up hard, and we're like, man, you are God. You're amazing. Sometimes this happens at Desperation Conference. Right? We have this amazing encounter with God, but it ends up being short-lived, and we find ourselves sinking. Have you guys ever felt that way? I don't know, I've felt that way before. We're excited about something that God's doing, and it almost feels like we're walking on water. <laughs> but then we notice the storms we're in, and doubt sinks in. Doubt about what he's going to do. Doubt how he's going to get us through it. Doubt on if God really even sees us, cares about us. God, I thought you cared about me. That experience I had last summer was amazing. Are you going to get rid of this storm? Why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? The doubt sinks in, and then we end up sinking in. And our faith starts to go under a testing, under hardships. The, the things end up happening in our relationship with God that aren't comfortable. They're ugly. They don't feel good. <laughs> They're painful, right? It can be easy to start questioning God, why? Why did you let this storm overtake me? And I believe God's response is, I didn't let it overtake you. You did. I never made the storm overtake you. In fact, you were walking on the water just a second ago. <laughs> it's not me that made the storm overtake you. It's you. He's exposing something within our faith. He's exposing the integrity problems the structural issues within our faith that are showing, hey, maybe it looks strong, but once it's under the test, it's a different story. Your faith doesn't look like what you thought it was or what other people maybe thought it was. Maybe other people thought you were strong and then they end up seeing you buckle under pressure. And you're going, God, what's going on? I thought you were here. I thought you were with me. We ask God, why did you let me sink? And he says, I didn't let you sink. You did. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your focus on me. Because that's what ended up changing with Peter. He started to get his eyes off of Jesus. Get his eyes off of the focus that he needed. Trusting in him that he is who he says he is. Because that's what got him out on the water. Jesus, if it's really you, then call to me. He says, it's me. <laughs> and what happens? He walks on water, and then he starts to doubt. He's like, well, if it is you, then why is all this happening? It's the wrong question. <laughs> if it's him, he can do anything, anywhere with you. He's capable of getting you through anything, anywhere. 
He needed to test his faith. Jesus needs to allow us to sink in order to confront our doubts and fears sometimes. If he never let Peter sink, where would his faith have been? It would have been him being convinced, I'm awesome. My faith is great. I can walk on water. I know I could do it. Yeah, you could sink in the water too, though. (laughs) Jesus wants to confront him to get him to a place where he will stand confidently in the storms. Not worry about the waves anymore. Because how is he ever going to know? How is Peter ever going to know that about himself? That he really actually does buckle under pressure if the pressure never happens. How is he going to be able to see that about his own faith that it caves and it struggles when I hit a problem in my life if the problems never come? Jesus needed to test him. Jesus cannot reveal the weaknesses in our faith if our faith is never tested. We can never grow in our endurance if there's never an endurance test to see where it's at. How many of you were born in 2007 or after? Raise your hand. 2007 or after. That would make you, this year you're going to turn 16. Right? Is that right? Or you're younger than that. 16 or younger. So, 2007 or after. Okay? There's this example I want to share with you guys. And there's a picture I got up there, John, if you want to show this. There's a bridge that collapsed in 2007. And it happened in Minneapolis. Look at that. That's intense, right? What's that? Uh, no, you shouldn't have to worry about it. That's just the way that it puts them up there. It thinks that it's a video, but it's just a still shot. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is a bridge that collapsed in 2007 in Minneapolis. It's the I-35 West Bridge. And it is the, let me give you some facts about it, just, just a little bit to give you an understanding. Yes, people did die. It was 13 people died, and 145 people were injured. 13 people died, 145 were seriously injured. Big problem. <laughs> You're the mayor of a city, and this happens on your watch. You start to sweat. <laughs> Maybe sweat blood. <laughs> So this is an eight-lane interstate, okay? Eight lanes. And it was Minnesota's busiest bridge. 141,000 vehicles every single day cross this bridge. 141,000 vehicles. I don't even think, yeah, I don't even think there's close to that in Butte. <laughs> I mean, if everybody in if every citizen in this town has, not even, I mean, there's 40,000 at best here. Right, exactly. It's like, if every citizen here in town had two cars, that includes kids. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah, 141,000 vehicles every single day across this bridge, and this happens. Now here's where the story ties in with this message. Officials were warned in 1990, which I said it happened in 2007. So how many years before that is that? 17 years prior, officials were warned that the bridge that collapsed in the Mississippi River was structurally deficient. 
and it just kept getting worse and worse. So much so that at a certain point, let me find it here. So in 1990, federal government gave the bridge a rating of structurally deficient, citing significant corrosion to its bearings, which are important parts of a bridge, if you can't tell. <laughs> in 2005, two years before it happens, federal inspection also rated the bridge structurally deficient, giving it a 50 on a scale of 100 for structural stability. <laughs> That's not good. How many of you would pass high school with a 50 out of 100 grade? Nobody, because that's literally an F. <laughs> that is failing. <laughs> so there was this view that the bridge was ultimately and eventually going to be replaced. This is what the governor was saying. But it appears from the information that we have available that a timeline for that was not immediate or imminent. Uh, but more in the future. <laughs> well... They found out the hard way that that wasn't the case. <laughs> there were some problems with it that they should have addressed, but they didn't. And it ended up costing them. It cost people their lives. It cost the city a lot of money, a lot of problems, a lot of trust from the people. But I want to tell you guys, this is an example I want to share because I feel like it's, it's an example of what faith testing is for. To have that not happen to you. To keep that from being what your faith ends up looking like. Buckling under pressure. Failing. When there's testing that needs to happen. When Jesus is exposing structural deficiencies in your faith, what do you do with it? Do you pay attention to it or do you ignore it? And say, eh, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> I know that that's really something that you're probably not pleased about, but is it really that big a deal? I know you want me to do that thing, because it says faith without works is dead, but I really don't feel like it. What does your faith look like when it's under pressure? Because there's going to be moments of pressure that happen. They're inevitable. And in fact, they're actually God-ordained sometimes because he doesn't want your faith to come to that. He wants your faith to be strong. And the only way for him to strengthen it and to grow it is to put some pressure on it, to be able to get rid of the issues that are there and say, that doesn't belong. <laughs> You're not going to be able to go where I want to take you if you don't get rid of that thing that's inside of you right now. If you don't let me deal with the problem that's there, you'll never go where I want you to. And I want you to get there. James 1, 2 through 4. CJ, you want to come up here and read this one? I'll let you read it. Dear you want to read it here? Oh. You can read it there if you want. It's up to you. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come over your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance is a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when the endurance is fully developed, you will, perf you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Amen.
man. I challenge you guys to learn this one. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you, CJ. Let's give him a hand. I challenge you guys to learn this one. Memorize this passage. At least memorize the first verse. It's a good one. And it's something that's really going to help you get through this one. Because it brings perspective into what's going on. It helps you understand sometimes God chooses to not get rid of the storm. Because you'll be better when you get out of it. You'll be better on the other side. Now, in a perfect world, there wouldn't be any storms. That's what Eden was. And we're going to have that one day. <laughs> Amen? Jesus is coming back, and he's going to restore everything. He's going to make all things new. It will be a new heaven, new earth. It's going to be as he always intended. But until that time, he needs to test us. <laughs> he needs to grow our faith. He needs to grow our endurance. Because why? What does this say? Without growing your, your endurance, you'll never be fully developed. It's a way of saying it this way. You want to stay a baby Christian forever? Then never learn from your trials. <laughs> Little kids never, I mean, they, they seem to kick and scream every single time they don't get what they want, right? Is that how your faith is with God still? I mean, if it's that way at the start a little bit, it's understandable. There's grace for that. But allow yourself to grow. And the way that that happens is embracing the endurance opportunities as they come. And they're going to come. <laughs> Some of you are experiencing them now. This is the kind of faith that I want to have. I want to have a faith that's perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. But it's never going to come without testing of my faith. The same goes for you. I want to have the leaders come up here. We're going to, I'm going to pray. And then we've got a few questions. We'll get in groups. So take it from Peter. Don't doubt. Take it from Peter. If you do doubt, he's there to reach out a hand to you. Let him reach it out, okay? Let me pray. God, we thank you that you... Don't leave us alone in the storm. And when the storms happen, you are there to carry us through it. You're there to hold our hand. You're there to call us out. Quiet. God, I thank you that you don't leave us there. God, I thank you that you do speak in the middle of the storm. You don't just stay quiet and you don't let us be convinced that you're some ghost. <laughs> you reveal yourself to us. God, I just pray that we would we'd grow in our faith. We'd let you challenge us and that we would grow closer and closer to what you want.